I'm Matthew McCabe. Welcome to Miracle Voices. Each episode, we will be delving into stories of forgiveness, healing, and transformation that have come about from integrating the principles of the book, A Course in Miracles. If you want to learn more about A Course in Miracles, visit www.acim.org. If you'd like to visit the Miracle Voices site, please go to www.miraclevoices.org. If you feel inspired to make a love offering, please visit us at miraclevoices.org forward slash donate. All donations go to support the work of the Foundation for Inner Peace, the publisher of A Course in Miracles. Now here's your program. In honor of today's 100th episode, I wanted to play a little clip about six minutes long of Judy and I from episode one, and you can hear kind of how the podcast started a little bit and the theme and direction she was inspired to take about this podcast being about forgiveness and relationships. I'm pleased to welcome my co-host, Judy Scutch-Whitson, to the podcast today. Judy is chairperson of the board of directors and co-founder of the Foundation for Inner Peace, and also one of the original four that made the commitment to publish and distribute A Course in Miracles. Judy, how are you doing today? I'm doing just great, Matthew. Great. Well, that was a mouthful there I just I put out there. I, I gave a little summary of A Course in Miracles, but for people that you know, they're coming to this podcast from different points. They may have heard of it a little bit. Some uh, know a lot, but maybe you could just talk a little bit about what A Course in Miracles is. Oh, I'd be glad to. A Course in Miracles helps us attain peace of mind. Its purpose is to show us a totally different thought system than the one we ordinarily hold. And I'll call our ordinary state of mind the ego as the Course does, and tell us, tell myself as well as you, that we are advised that we have two thought systems going on at once. One is an erroneous one, which we made up, that causes us to live in a world of form, which has chaos, unhappiness, death in it, and no inner peace. And the other part of our minds which is not the ego, is connected to our creator, what the Course calls God. In that sense, we are of two minds, literally. How do we attain inner peace? We need to correct the mind that is mistaken. How do we do that? Through our constant advisor, our internal guide, our higher teacher, also called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the Course in Miracles is defined as the voice for God, not of God, but for God, meaning that it is our connection to our creator, and it acts in that sense. It knows everything we need to know and gives to us about how we can heal our misperception that we are born, that we live in misery, some joy, some happiness, and then we die. Rather than we are eternal, we are always one with our creator, and all the separated selves that we see on earth are one with us. Of course, calls that the Son of God. So that's a lot to say in the beginning, but you understand what I'm saying is, of course, is a non-dual system of thought. We, in our daily minds, we are duality. We think of spirit and body or spirit and ego as separate. Actually, we are spirit, period. And that's what the Course teaches us. 
Judy, I think it might be helpful for listeners to just talk about how the inspiration for the podcast came to you. Would, would you mind sharing? I'd be glad to. Uh, doing the series of webinars and still are a foundation for inner peace uh, has a discussion we call Let's Discuss various aspects of the course, and we try to do at least one a month. And uh, it occurred to me that I do very little about podcasts, and I had many people telling me some excellent podcasts they had heard, they had heard and it felt as if there was very strong, I would say, compulsion or inner guidance that we should start this, and not knowing how to at all I hope that someone would come who did, and it turned out Matthew, a very good friend, uh, has had experiences with podcasts, and he and I decided to be a team, for which I'm very grateful. Maybe you could just kind of talk about the themes you were feeling you'd like to, to get out there. Basically, I feel that this podcast series hopefully will be one of uplift, something one can listen to and feel glad and feel joy as we go through the opportunity of telling the stories of various people who will indeed be themselves telling their own of forgiveness in their lives. And what we mean by forgiveness is not just, oh, telling someone that you accept him or her, even though he or she hurt you. That's not the way a course describes forgiveness but rather the theme of forgiveness, which is the correction of misperception. And what do I mean about the correction of misperception? If we see someone else as separate and we see someone else as erring against us, and if we see ourselves as attacked, we really need to stop and reconsider how we can see the situation in another way. How can we correct our perception of this individual with whom we're having a difficulty. Yeah. Therefore, A Course in Miracles, which is geared for that, forgiveness is its center. Forgiveness, it says, is the key to happiness. It tells us exactly how to do this. And so we would like to share people's stories which illustrate this. And hopefully they will touch someone out there who's listening some cord of recognition, some feeling of deep intimacy where they can do the same thing with someone in their lives with whom they have not had a good relationship. A Course of Miracles is about relationship. That's what distinguishes it from many other spiritual paths. And so it's relationships we will be talking about. I hope you enjoyed that clip from episode one. And now on to our hundredth episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Miracle Voices. This is your co-host, Matt McCabe. I'm here with my co-host, Tam Morgan. Tam, how are you doing today on this 100th episode of Miracle Voices? Is it really? It I is. That. You saved that information. I did. I wanted to ambush you with it. Wow. But although it's not my 100th, it's your 100th. It's the 100th of the show, right? Right. Yes. Right. So you've, you've done 100. I just came in after my mom. So what? you know which one I'm on? I think it's the 30s it started. So it's two years ago now yeah. uh, that you joined. So I think it's the 30s. I, we'll play a little uh, clip of the very first episode today at the beginning of this oh, podcast good. so people can hear kind of Judy's thoughts as this got started. 
Oh, that's so nice. I, I'll have to listen. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, thank you. And congratulations to you for, for all that you've done for this. And you match. too. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a stand in. <laughs> no, you're not. Here we go. <laughs> Francesca Miracola. Welcome to Miracle I, Voices. Yes. Hi there. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And I am like really honored to be on your 100th episode. So this is awesome. Love yeah. it. Francesca, where are you sitting today? I am sitting literally in my home office, but um, <laughs> on a larger scale, I am in New York. Um, yeah. Okay. What, what area in New York? I'm on Long Island. Mm-hmm. About uh, maybe 30 miles, a suburb outside of uh, Midtown Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Well, Francesca, we're really glad you can join us today. Please tell us how A Course in Miracles came into your life. Sure. Um, so the course came into my life. Um, and of course, I'm sure this is the same for a lot of people. When I was going through probably the most difficult, challenging, you know, experience uh, that I could, you know, really say in my life has been the hardest thing I've ever been through. It was, it was a custody battle and I'll, and I'll get into that a little bit more later, but I was going through a really terrible custody battle with my ex-husband and I don't remember how I came across, um, the book, a return to love by Marianne Williamson. I'm sure you guys are very familiar with that, but so, you know, I don't know if someone gave it to me knowing I was going through a hard time or recommended it to me. I don't even know if I was like browsing in a bookstore and it like caught my eye. I, I, and sometimes I'm like, I think that book just showed up on my nightstand one night. Like, but anyway, I read, um, a return to love by Marianne having knowing nothing about a course in miracles or any of this. And I just, something spoke to me, right. I, 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 I I sort of like recognize something in, in reading the return to love and strangely enough, it gave me, it gave me a little sense of peace during this absolute chaos and drama and pain I was in. But, you know, as I guess most of us do, or at least I did at the time, I kind of knew something was there. And I was a little like intrigued by this course in miracles that Marianne was referring to. But, you know, did I go out and get it and start practicing and all that? Of course not. You know, I, I stayed focused on, you know, the drama at hand, but, but it was there in the back of my mind. So fast forward at least a decade later, maybe even 12 years later, I am sitting down for my first consultation call with a book coach. Uh, I, I, I wrote a memoir and I was, the publisher had introduced me to a book coach um, at who she felt I, I, I needed to work with and, and write and definitely so. But anyway, we were on our first consultation call and we were talking about a topic and and she says to me, hey, have you ever heard of Marianne Williamson? And I was like, I just had a laugh to myself. So anyway, she refers me to a YouTube video of Marianne's and she said, I, I think you should really listen to this video you know, it was very related to what we were talking about. So after we got off our call, I did listen to the YouTube video. And Marianne, again, is, of course, talking about A Course in Miracles. And I just thought, this is my sign, you know, and again, it was like over a decade later. So I finally, this was in 2018, I went out and got myself a copy of the course. And, uh, it, you know, it has just been 
life altering and it is with me every moment, everywhere, you know, I go, whether I travel or home. And it's just, like I said, since 2018, I just cannot believe um, the drastic changes and what it means to me. And it's just funny how it's, it tries to come into your life. And even if like, you're not ready, like I don't, I, maybe I wasn't ready or I didn't want to be ready. Like it, it, it showed up again. And and then when I was ready, it just, I, I just, I just love it. I just started to really absorb it. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a master of anything, right. It's only been since 2018, but I do already see um, what a blessing it has been in my life. Mm. That's great. Well, Francesca, do you have a uh, forgiveness story you'd like to share more about? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think when I think about, and I like Matt, I know you and I spoke, you know, once before this, and I love the idea and I love, you know, your podcast episodes because I love the idea of a forgiveness story, right? And that's, that is where I feel like I am, you know, now in, in 2023. Um, however, if this was several years ago and you asked me to, to share my story, I would have never thought I was sharing a forgiveness story. I wouldn't have even known what that meant. You know, I would have shared what I call my saga, right? So for the longest time, my story was really my saga. And that's how I identified my whole existence, right? And so, um, but I I I liked, I, I'm glad that I'm not in that saga mode anymore. But I do have to start, of course, with the saga because that's what led to my forgiveness story. But I just want to start by saying it's kind of refreshing to realize and in doing preparing a little bit for this podcast and talking to you, it kind of dawned on me that I was like, wow, it's so refreshing, like to know that that's not my story anymore. Right. So, but I will start there with, with the saga. And I think, um, you know, basically I married man that I, you know, I, I just did not love. I, I mean, I knew I didn't love him. And um, what's worse than the fact that I did not love him was, you know, he turned out to really be, you know, an abusive uh, sociopath, I guess, for lack of a better description. And, um, you know, all the red flags were there. And, um, but I had so many fears and anxieties um, at that age and even earlier on, you know, up until meeting him. I think I felt cultural and family pressure to be married. I also feared I would be alone if I ended the relationship. Um, I was following a very expected path. Again, maybe not for everyone, but at least in my background, in my culture. And so despite every every gut feeling um and and every almost you know they say that the you know the, the your inner voice is kind of a whisper i mean it was actually you know really getting <laughs> noticeable i i just ignored it i just really ignored it and i went ahead with this marriage anyway and you know i know now but it's like when you enter into anything from that fear and anxiety and just all the wrong reasons and whatever I had going on, the, what turned out to be a 
not so great choice turned out to be a very toxic, abusive, very dysfunctional. It just kept snowballing, you know, from there. Um, and we weren't married for too long. It was a few years, but even through all the, you know, it went from, I shouldn't marry him to, oh my God, I, I, I really need to get out of this marriage. Somehow, I guess as a, as a, you know, trauma survivor, I, I able, I was able to like persevere through the pain, which is, I, I used to think that that was a strength, but I, I you know, obviously it, it's not, but I, I was convincing myself that I could, you know, fix this. And, um, I was always trying to like work out, you know, the circumstances and strategize and like maneuver around it. And, um, we even wound up having two children together, but I think one night we had a very, very vicious fight and it, it really just left me degraded on the kitchen floor. And the two babies at the time, uh, were in the other room. And I, I think I kind of had that moment where my love for them was stronger than all the fears I had. And even though I was sort of able to tolerate what I was tolerating when it was just me, something about the love, you know, that I had, of course, as a mom for my children, really just, there was like a little light that went off that night. And I wound up, you know, changing the locks. And that was the start of our separation, which ultimately led to, you know, a, a divorce. We, we never reconciled, obviously. But um, I thought that changing the locks and ultimately getting a divorce was okay, solution, you know, um, like problem solved, like that is out of my life now. Um, but you know, I don't know, like I obviously at the time, again, I didn't know it. Right. I believe that fixing something externally was going to just now kind of give me some peace and make me happy and be able to live my life. And I, I was really at that time, not focused on my inner world. Um, so of course it, you know, my problems really didn't go away. Um, and a couple of years after we were legally divorced, he wound up taking me back to court. He sued me for custody of the boys. And at this point, they were probably, they were very young. They were, you know, anywhere between the age of like, I forget, it was like four to like five, four or five. They were young and it went on for about three and a half years. So he, again, he came back into the picture, sued me for custody and I went through this really vicious court battle um, that he was able to manipulate unbeknownst to me at the time due to some, you know, connections that he had. Um, but I, I would say over that three and a half years, I, I wound up like wiped out, you know, mentally, physically, and, and, you know, financially, I was just completely wiped out. Um, and along the way, because of what he was able to manipulate and orchestrate behind the scenes, it got very scary. At one point, it really looked like I was going to lose custody of my children to this crazy man, really. And it, it, it was starting to get real. Um, and and so that that might have been like my breaking point. And, uh, you know, there's a quote in the course 
that jumps out at me at that point in my life where, and, and again, I wasn't doing the course then, but now when I read that section of the course, I, it reminds me of this time. And it's, it's that tolerance for pain may be high, um, but it's not without limit. I think it says eventually everyone begins to recognize, however dimly, that there must be a better way. And so that's where I was at when I was really faced with potentially losing custody of the boys. And it was like I was on my knees. Literally, I was on my knees at one point begging, like, please, God, help me. Um, and, you know, that's, I guess, was my sign that I was really ready to start to heal. And I think that's around when, like, as I mentioned earlier, I started to read Marianne Williamson's book. And again, even though I didn't pick up the course then, something about just even being introduced to the concepts, you know, had things started to shift, not only internally, um, but thankfully, like eventually with the custody battle. So, and it's funny, like, as I was having that shift, I started to notice, and I always thought this was so strange and I never shared it with anybody because I thought I was like really weird, but I, I started to see this flicker of light in the back of my mind and I was, I was noticing it and I'm in this, all this turmoil and all this pain, but I'm like starting to kind of shift and like really being drawn to like peace. And I'm like, I keep seeing this light and it's almost like beckoning to me and like calling me, but I'm like, all right, I, 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 this is weird. But also I would hear a voice saying to me, you have to write a book. You have to write a book. So there was always this like kind of book thought there. And I'm not a writer at all. Like I'm in financial services. I'm the most like at the time anyway, I thought I was like the most type A, like, you know, the balance sheet has to balance, like whatever. So this whole like write a book, like light calling to me was just strange. But anyway, things started to really shift just by like the slight invitation. And again, you know, not to have to go through all the details um, of the legal system, but thankfully, as I was doing my inner shift, the external was, as the course would let us know, the external was starting to shift as well. And the court situation did resolve itself. It resolved itself very much in my favor. And, um, you know, thankfully that was behind me. But similar to when I changed the locks, even when I was out of the court system and, and, and through the custody battle, I still didn't fully feel totally at ease. I knew still something was off and I just, you know, couldn't really place it because again, I was like always focused on what are the external circumstances of your life. And I was never really doing this inner search. So anyway, I'm done with the custody battle and I'm going into a therapy session one day. I had been seeing my therapist for years. Um, and if you could imagine, most of my sessions were spent, I mean, all of my sessions were spent venting, venting about my acts, the court system, the lawyers, you know, everything that was being done to me, everything that was happening to me, it was vent, 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 vent for years. But when I went into a session after the, after I was out of court, the therapist, I guess, finally had like a little space and a window of opportunity to ask me probably a life altering question. Um, but she looked at me as I was, you know, talking about my ex and she said, we all know what he's about, but tell me, 
why did you marry him? And that was like the bucket of water dumped over my head. Oh my God, like light bulb question. And that was when, you know, in order to answer that question, right? It was a great question. In order to answer that question, you do have to look within, right? Because why did I marry him? Well, that's, you know, it's directed at me. So that led me on this quest. So I really get more involved in therapy. I'm soaking up every self-help book I can. And I'm just, again, I'm like really seeking and seeking and seeking another way. Um, Not fully finding the peace, but at least seeking it. But I'm, I'm still in some ways in a little drama, chaos, a little suffering. And then I'm diagnosed with breast cancer. And the radiologist, uh, you know, after the biopsy, I remember the radiologist um, called me in and said, uh, you have invasive breast cancer and you need to see a surgeon immediately. And I, I swear my first thought was my children. I said, um, I'm going to die young here on these kids. Um, but my second thought, my second thought was I'm going to die without ever, having ever written that book that book that was like calling to me. So thankfully I go through a couple of surgeries and, um, you know, everything turned out to be okay with my diagnosis and my treatment was, was, was very mild. So when I'm, when I'm through the breast cancer surgeries, um, and whatever I had to go through there for, for about a year, I finally sit down to write this book, this memoir. And to be honest, um, even though I was starting to do some inner work, that first draft was angry. It was angry. Um, and it was also, by the way, very poorly written because again, I'm not a writer, but I write down, sit down and I write this like venting, angry tale of, you know, again, what my ex did to me and how awful family court is and, and the lawyers are just like money suckers. And, you know, it was just blah, 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 anger, 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 type, 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 anger, anger. Um, and so because I'm kind of clueless to the writing world and publishing and whatever, and I'm thinking, oh, I, I got, you know, I got a good product here. I submitted to a publisher and they kindly get back to me and they, they, they tell me, look, you, you, you do have a little story here, but you need to work with, with a book coach. And that's when, as I had mentioned earlier, how the course came into my life. That's when they put me in touch with this amazing, amazing book coach. And again, it was during our first consultation call that she references Marianne. And, and, and you know, I, I finally come to A Course in Miracles. And so I would say that, and this was again in 2018. So it was a combination of starting my practice of A Course in Miracles, along with, if you could appreciate, a very cathartic experience of writing a memoir. All of a sudden, I felt like I had a rapid fire release of so much like toxicity that had been within me. Like the two coming together was like really just like a helpful way for me to really finally start to purge what was within me. But so so both really helped me. But I will start, of course, with The Course in Miracles. And what really did it for me was, I guess there's a quote somewhere where it says, let me look on the world I see as the representation of my own state of mind. And, you know, that is the quote that really, really, really hit me. 
And so it was really a course in miracles that helped me realize that was whatever was happening to me just really reflected what was stirring inside of me. And so I started to really go within and determine like each pang that I felt like each cause of pain, like what was it, you know, and there was like, whether it was a story of like guilt, shame, resentment, anger, you know, anxiety, sadness, and, you know, no matter what was happening, it was like, there was always, it felt like an old wound was there. There was an old wound and I would vent at first. Um, but the co- the course was teaching me that like no amount of venting was really going to offer me relief. I was starting to get introduced to this concept that like forgiveness was really the only cure. And I had to like learn to let go of my grievances. And the course was also teaching me to kind of see the love or lesson there had been in every situation. So slowly by working with the course, I'm really introducing myself to this concept of forgiveness and and the course really, you know, frames forgiveness in, in a much different way than what we think forgiveness is, right? I've learned it's not like a holier than thou pardon of like another person. And, you know, it's just more, like I said, like kind of like a letting go to offer yourself some relief, right? And I found that for each story that I was like analyzing and there was like a person that I thought I had to forgive or let something go, like behind every story of what I I thought was done to me or happened to me, it, it turns out that as I was peeling back all these layers behind every story, there was like a self-betrayal or a decision that I made or a mindset that I was in or a fear that I had acted out from. And, and so it was like, wow, I'm thinking I need to forgive, you know, my mom or my dad or my ex or the Catholic school that I grew up in, or, you know, my judgmental relatives and, you know, the list goes on and on my, 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 you know, my ex, my ex mother-in-law, but I was like, wow, the person that I really need to forgive is actually myself, you know? And, and that's where I feel like a lot of my work really did take off. Like I noticed, you know, it, it, it took a little while to get there, but, um, it's kind of nice to see that, okay, this is really, you know, I I have to look at myself and I had to learn to offer myself compassion. Cause at first I'll be honest, I, then I was like angry again. I was like, Oh my God, I did this to myself. Like, what was I thinking? Or, Oh my God, why did I act like that? Or, so I was either like angry at myself or I, sometimes I was like ashamed of some of the things I did and some of the choices I made. I had a lot of regrets. And then in order to get like kind of past that painful realization, I had, I learned to start offering myself some compassion for the mistakes that I maybe made while I was in fear mode and not in the right state of mind. So the same way I was trying to learn that other people's behavior was either love or a call to love, I had to offer myself that same compassion and say, well, you know what, that was either sometimes I either acted with love or and when I wasn't, it was just maybe a call to love or a need to heal. And so slowly, I started to, you know, just offer myself 
some compassion. And I, I do feel so much more at peace with myself and with others. And I noticed, and it's true, and it really is an experience. And you can't really, I guess, always tell people this, but when you experience, it's like, wow, you realize it's true that the more and more I was releasing so much of this pain um, that I was holding on to internally, the more my external circumstances really did start to improve. And I used to go at life almost like a whack-a-mole. I mean, I don't know if you know that little like carnival game, but anything that came up, it was like, I was like, okay, I have to address this. I have to address this. I have to address this. I have to, you know, but, but that's not how you have to live. It's like all internal. And then I'm like, oh my God, wow. Like life kind of really does miraculously take care of itself. So it's just, again, the practice of a course has been amazing. And I think my biggest forgiveness story is the story of forgiveness for myself. But as I mentioned earlier, the other main component of my healing story um, was really the cathartic experience of, you know, writing, writing the book. Um, and it really was like similar to the course, because I came as I was writing, right, like the stuff that really was jumping out at me from the page was, it was my fragile emotional state, my thoughts, my beliefs, and my fears, and quite frankly, my freed nervous system was really what was causing my angst all along, right? Um, it was like, again, how the course says, like the energy, it was all like my energy that I was projecting on the world around me. And the more I was writing, my ex actually kind of seemed irrelevant, right? Um, and then there was an exciting moment when I was working on the book with my book coach, and we were reviewing a chapter, and she just casually said to me, she was like, you know, you're the protagonist here, right? And I thought, yeah, like, I'm the protagonist, right? The story had always been mine. And the protagonist really gets to decide how the story unfolds. And I mean, that was such like a life altering moment for me. And it again, reminds me of the chorus, because like, that saying where like, heaven is a decision I must make. And there's also like, you always get to begin again. And it was just really empowering to know, yeah, I'm the protagonist of my life story. You know, I get to decide how how life is lived. And, and so I kind of try to stay focused on that every day. And I try now to live my life in a way of like, okay, you know, what's going to bring happiness? What's going to bring peace? What's going to bring joy? And when you keep your mind centered on like, that's how you want to live. I just find that like, you know, decisions and stuff like coming from that mind place are just more empowering and just, I don't know, it's just like a, a, a more beautiful, renewed life that I've been living. And again, by no means am I a master. Of course, I still have my slip ups and my bad days. But it's such a nice tool to now have um, to have this awareness and to be able to kind of like rein myself back into all of this stuff that I've thankfully learned and hopefully will continue to learn um, through my practice of the course. Beautiful, beautiful story. Wonderful. Thank you. So, Matt, you know I always have questions. Do you have? <laughs> yeah, you go ahead. You go first. I can let you go first this time. I always just jump in. Where, where is your feelings about your ex-husband now same question okay yeah um you know i feel nothing and i don't mean that in a, in a negative way um 
I feel no anger. I, I feel an awareness that, um, he came from a very troubled background and came from a lot of pain. And I understand now that a lot of his behavior is, you know, coming from that. And I guess, in, in you know, his own ways, it's his call to love. Um, I do know that that doesn't mean that, you know, I have to sit down and have a cup of tea with him and, and we don't, you know, he's, he's completely estranged and, you know, we have no contact with him. However, in my mind and in how I feel, I don't harbor any anger and, and regret. And in fact, um, my, again, my book coach, right before we sat and I wrote the first word with her, the new revision. And again, this is just when I was starting out with the course, um, but she, she follows the course, but it was just so ironic that the publisher put me in touch with the perfect, not only book coach from a writing perspective, but from a spiritual perspective. I mean, she's, you know, speaking the language. And so anyway, we're, we're about to write together and she had me do like almost like a prayer, a meditation where she said to me, I need you to visualize yourself kneeling before your ex-husband to thank him for the experience. And I was like, what? You know, <laughs> and, so, and she just, but she was like, just stick with me here, do this. And I want you to thank him because the experience is what led to your awakening and to your healing. And he played a very important role in the work that you're about to do here. I can cry thinking about this meditation day. He played a really important role in the work that you're about to do and in this memoir that you want to write. And in a way, hopefully you touch another person's life and, and maybe help heal another person. And also um, the gift that you're going to hopefully be able to give to your own children and your own family. Um, and so I see him that way now. I see him as the part of my life that painfully or not, you know, even though it was painful, really led to all of this wonderful spiritual awakening, healing work that I've been doing. And also hopefully, you know, with my own children and my own family. And hopefully through the work in my memoir, like the book coach had said, hopefully touching another life, you know, of somebody who maybe needs to read my story. So that's kind of where I'm at with him now. Mm. It's it's such a good step. It's um, my, my father, well, story has it, I can't tell you if this is actually true or not, but my father um, came back from France after my mother um, and he divorced and uh, actually before they were divorced and he he stated that he helped change new york's custody law um so that the father could get equal custody um, okay. and he was a real kick-ass lawyer and this was in the 60s and he of course had to do so by trying to claim she was incompetent and unfit and they had a brutal brutal divorce and oh it was you know back when Certainly, no one who I knew had divorced parents. Uh, mm. Different now, 
and uh, the the animosity was so huge. And when she began practicing the course, he was one of the the first people she targeted, and her work internally became so um, so authentic for her within forgiveness that I can only fast forward to the couple of days before my dad passed away. Uh, they had become such good friends and she became such good friends with my stepmother that my father called her at the end of his life. And he, and I was on the phone with them and he's saying, Judy, we had a great ride. Didn't we? It, some Aww. of it was really horrible uh, or it seemed so, but it, but I wouldn't have rather be on a roller coaster with anyone other than you in that one. And we we did we produced such great children. And I'm leaving really shortly. And I just wanted to thank you for the ride. And she was laughing and she's going, Yes, Howard, we sure did. And they told each other they loved each other. Wow. So, That's yeah. amazing. That's so, amazing. I love that. Amazing. Amazing as a kid who saw her parents hating each other. Uh, much more my father towards my mother, and my mother did leave my father, um, to to two people who really loved each other. It actually helped bring a, a union inside of myself. They helped my work. I'm so glad you shared that because that is something that I have to work on internally. And you're sharing now from the lens of the child who went through that. And I often think back now with some of the awareness that I have, my goodness, all those years wasted in battle and the impact that it obviously had on my children. And I, of course, I wish I could take that all back. And I hope, I, I what I hope in my heart is that the work that they at least see me doing and some of the changes that are happening, you know, in real time, I at least hope that they can sort of see that and, and, and tap into like the love and the healing and hopefully that heals a little bit of the pain. So it really is actually a blessing for me to hear that version from you. Oh, I'm glad because it it does make a difference. And the more you get in the course practice of actually starting to understand that it never happened, that everyone was just characters in this dream, it it releases your sons from this narrative because still when you write a book, God, believe me, I know a narrative becomes very strong and you get, you still get into a different version of the story. Mm -hmm. And as you truly start to release the story itself, which is very threatening, because then who are you? And yes, guess the answer is shown. We are love. As, as that get released, it's almost like in a narrative way, it, it not only gets felt and healed through your sons and with for your sons, but also retroactively, uh, hard as it is to imagine, because time kind of um, shrinks and disappears so that the healing goes to ancestors. The reasons that you could cite even in your own family, in your own history, with your own parents to make the choices to marry a sociopath happen generationally before you. And Absolutely. it goes in all multi-directions. So it's pretty extraordinary. And you don't have to dwell on the pain that you've caused for your children. That was that because that was then and what needed to happen on this path for the release of all of this. And yes, thank you for that. It was all a gift and they get these same choices as they as they grow up and mature that that you have right now to 
they can blame you and go to therapy. And my mother, you know, showed us all this anger for all these years, no matter how much everything you did to protect them. Uh, or they get to be on a path where they start to realize, oh, can let that story go because you're showing them that you that you're letting it go. And I love it. Thank you. It doesn't mean you have to rush into the arms of your sociopathic ex has been, although as you know, the, the labels that we use for people are also become um, characters, characters yeah. in this movie. So yep. <laughs> but perhaps one day we, you know, we will be there, but it's nice yeah. to at least be there in, in thought. And, and you are already there. You just have to step into it, you know, and that's what time is for. It really is, it, you know. Yes. Yes. But I love and I thank you for bringing up one of my favorite quotes in the course, which is tolerance for pain may be high, but it is not without limit. Eventually, everyone begins to recognize, however dimly, that there must be a better way. And therein lies the birth of the course. Yeah. And we all come to it. We all come to it. Yeah. Yeah. Different points in different ways. And that's Mm -hmm. where the narrative comes in. So thank you for your story. I found it extremely helpful. Thanks. I'm so glad we use the word story instead of like history or something like that, because it's what it is. It's a story. And I was thinking about your your story, Francesca, and I remembered having a conversation with this uh, woman uh, that is an expert on codependent, like really nasty kind of codependent uh, toxic relationships. And, and I said, who are the people that recover from these terrible codependencies? Like, is there a trend you see among them? And she said, yes, there is a trend. And I go, well, what is that? She said, they went at one point realize the story they're, they've told themselves about who they are and what's happening is simply not true. And, and I said, oh my God, this is, this is, this sounds just like a course of miracles. This is a story. You know, this is just, you know, it's a, it's a, something, a, a fiction that I have to let go it's a belief I had about myself before this body existed and it's acting out in my consciousness now. And it's letting go of that story, but it's so hard. Like Tam was saying, we define ourselves by it. Who am I without it? Am I the hole in the donut? What, what's the hole in the donut? It's a nothingness. And it's right. something we just can't, it's, we just, we let go of it. And there is, there is something there when we do. So and it's a little scary at first to let go of it and and not, like you said, know who you are or, well, wait, wait, how do I like live life now? And what is, and, and you really do, it, it's a little scary to kind of question everything that you thought you believed up until now and you feel a little lost. But I, and I found that there could be something fun though, and creative, right. About the excitement of well, what could I paint now? Like, what could I create now? What, what show can I put up on that stage now? You know, so there could be like a fun and exciting. Um, it's like that clean slate feeling, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's it's put well in the course. I mean, even though uh, there's so many different levels of the evolution to this um, in the world of form, but going from the dream to the happy dream. Yeah, and the happy dream doesn't mean that everything goes well outside. You know, common mistake, happy dream. Oh, now everything is fine. No, it's it's one's attitude about it shifts so completely that one can maintain one's peace and happiness amidst whatever is going on out there. 
Yeah. And you know when you're there and you know when you're not, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the stories inside our head kind of go from what used to be the Jerry Springer show to now kind of like a more Oprah type version of uh, (laughs) reality. (laughs) That's great, Matt. I love that. (laughs) One step toward the happy dream. But the Jerry Jerry Springer show is a little fun to watch. Let's be honest. We get addicted to that (laughs) drama. We all have that Jerry part in us, right? Those were my grandmother's last words. She came out of a coma and she came out of a coma a few times before she passed and, and said some gems. But her last actual words were, what time is it? Is it time for Jerry Springer? And then she went, <laughs> she went back into her coma oh my gosh. and then she passed that day. So, I mean, it was, it, they were just such fabulous last That's words. That's classic. Yeah. Yeah. So. Francesca, what do you do when you get caught in the ego storm and it just all feels so real and painful and you want to project on someone and I'm not in the mood to talk about A Course in Miracles and maybe I even want to throw the book against the wall? What do you do <laughs> in that situation to try to get back on track? I think um, I, I will say that, thankfully, I catch myself earlier on in my psycho spiral now. Like I used to really go into a spiral and it could last for days, weeks, you know, even longer. Now I'm aware when I'm kind of losing it and I'm triggered. And then I'm usually able to say, Ooh, a trigger. What is this showing me? What is this? So, so like I said, there's an awareness I could catch myself. And then the trigger, instead of it causing me to like lash out and project. I'm like, Ooh, trigger. It's almost like little gem, little gift. What is this trying to show me? There's something new here. I need to learn. There's something new here. I leave. And that, that tends to kind of like calm me down. And I take it as an opportunity to say, okay, let me kind of like go sort of talk to myself and process this internally verse lashing out. Now there are times that I cannot catch myself. Right. And as we all slip up and so when I slip up, I I now kind of turn to the Holy Spirit. I feel like in the past when I would slip up, then I would be like, I would regret it or I'd be ashamed, right? So then what I would tend to do would be like, oh boy, I really messed up there. Well, I'm going to dig my heels in further because instead of like, I, I couldn't deal with, I guess, the guilt or the shame for like what maybe how I acted out. So I would almost have to like justify it. So then it would just kind of like get worse and worse and worse. But so now if I do slip up, instead of like, you know, taking it and running with it, I sort of say a little prayer to the Holy Spirit and I'll be like, whoa, did you see that one? Like I lost it there, you know, like I was crazy. And I just, I asked the Holy Spirit, like, help me forgive myself for that. And like, kind of please take my guilt and shame from me so that I can start fresh again, whether it's in an hour or tomorrow. Um, So that's kind of like my process now. And I love how you started. It's not, you know, why is this happening to me? But why is this happening for me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that, Louise Hay. uh, I always listen to these Louise Hay messages when I go to bed and or her recordings. And she has this one thing she says. She goes, I now release the pattern in me that's causing this to manifest in my life. And Mm. it just kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Francesca, we've come to the point in the interview where we ask what your favorite comfort food is. So please tell us. My favorite comfort food is um, 
something that like soothes my stomach because even with all this work, I do sometimes still tend to have a little anxiety that I feel in my stomach. So sometimes it could be, I love like a good, like chocolate shake or maybe something from like a bakery that like, I know it sounds funny, but almost like that feels like it's almost absorbing the anxious juices in my stomach. (laughs) Um, So, and very, something very sweet along with that is that, um, Lately, I've been going out to uh, Starbucks a lot with my teenage daughter, because by the way, we didn't even get into this because thankfully, she wasn't one of the children from the saga. But I am remarried very happily. And we do have um, another child together. But so so she's she's a teenager now. And she loves nothing more than like most teenage girls to go out to Starbucks and get all these pink drinks and whatever they get. So there's this petite vanilla scone that they sell there and it's like just the right amount like it's not too much where I feel like too full afterwards and it soothes me and it's become my comfort food not only because of like the physical reasons that I describe but it really reminds me like every time I see that or have that it's just like it's my time with my daughter and so I just I just love that petite vanilla scone for that reason too so it's just Mm -hmm. a sweet little story but um, and I always say like, oh my goodness, when I, when she finally goes off to college, I don't know that I'll ever be able to walk into a Starbucks again, because that's my, that's my time with my girl. <laughs> oh, you will. And you'll eat it and you'll feel like she's with you. Yes. Change so that sweet. story. Change that. Story. <laughs> I love it. Yes. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, uh-huh. Francesca, please tell listeners how they can find your book or connect with you any way online that you'd like. Sure. Um, so I do have a website and it's um, francescamiracola.com and I can spell that it's F-R-A-N-C-E-S-C-A-M-I-R-A-C-O-L-A.com. And the name of my memoir is I Got It From Here, A Memoir of Awakening to the Power Within. And you can find it on my website. You can find it on Amazon and you could really, you know, ask any indie bookstore um, always love to support the indie bookstores too, but yeah, it's out there and, uh, I hope it, it touches the right soul that it needs to touch. Well, I'm sure it will. Well, Francesca, thanks so much for coming on Miracle Voices and sharing your Miracle Voice. We really appreciate it. It was very touching. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me and you guys are great and you made me feel so relaxed and, um, I feel like I got so much out of this. I mean, it was, I'm I'm truly touched to be able to talk to both of you. So thank you for having me. Loved it. Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to Miracle Voices by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you are enjoying these conversations, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you use. And lastly, please visit us at miraclevoices.org and join our newsletter so we can stay connected. Until the next podcast, I want to leave you with my favorite course quote, when you want only love, you will see nothing else. Mm